Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you are listening to the Amaze and Perplex podcast. Today we're talking about a story uh, that is really kind of fascinating. It's at the end of the book of John. And to preface this discussion, I want to ask you a question, Jason. Have you ever had the experience of having a life-changing moment or uh, event occur in your life? And then the next day or just a couple days later, you had had this massive thing happen to you, earth-shattering, your whole world felt turned upside down, and then just a day or two later, you're back at your nine to five, you're doing your regular job, you were, um, you know, just back to regular life. Have you ever had that experience? That question is really, it, it uh, I, I don't know why today, but it really touched me, like made me emotional. Yeah, so when I think about that, and it, it was actually an ongoing experience with, so my we talked about my daughter's death before, you know, when we talked about death, like, I feel like 12 years ago or yesterday. I don't well, know. Two years ago, which yeah. is crazy, which is like even crazier yeah. than the exaggeration of like 12. Two years ago is even, yeah, is even weirder. It seems way longer. Anyway, so what happened with Jessica, she was born way early, just to catch up anybody. She was born at 25 weeks, obviously supposed to make it to 40. And uh, she ended up living for two months and then died because her system couldn't, she couldn't take on food, she couldn't breathe on her own, these kind of things. But in the mid, in the middle, in the meantime, in those two months, you know, every day was a, we're spending a lot of time up there, and and uh, it, it's like being in a whole other world, you know, not even not even just being in the hospital, being in the NICU unit, which they called NICU back then. I don't know when it changed to take on the short. That outfit, sounds kind of like a, a weird sort of poem, sort of yeah. like it's like a <laughs> haiku. A, a, yeah, it's a, haiku. it's a twist on a haiku. There it is. So anyway, this is my hospital poem. But anyway, we were at the NICU a lot, and Jessica, because of her condition, she had to be in a separate room even from the rest of the babies. So oh, we wow. were we were alone in our own room. And it just became this little world. And, and we had visitors. We had great support during that time. But we were still, it was just Heather and I against the world. Heather and I are baby against the world. So at the end when she died, that was most, um, like you're just, you, your brain being overwhelmed. Another way to think about that is you have way too many questions and you don't even know how to process the simplest ones. That That's overwhelmed, you know. And I think grieving is one of those examples. And a lot of times when I'm dealing, even now when I'm dealing or talking with someone that's grieving, I have to remind myself over and over again, they're not processing normal. Because you can get really frustrated with a grieving person because you're like, well, where's the funeral? And they'll be like, um, uh, yeah, funeral. Is that the event that ha-? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, this is a sane adult. And I have to remind myself a lot working with grieving people at times of this. But I was in that state. And to some degree, I was in that state for two months. Now, I wasn't in denial because a lot of people actually – came back to me as in denial but I was in this other world you know and man I remember in particular walking out and you're with your I'm with my daughter for who knows six eight hours a day usually if I'm not at work and I'm walking out and there are people including nurses (laughs) smoking (laughs) like the the exit that was most convenient you pass Mm -hmm. by a smoking area and um and it was shunned then as it is now (laughs) you know they had them in a back alley kind of thing you know but I just became so angry and then i recognized it wasn't about them but i was just so off like returning to normalcy and and smokers became the enemy you always have to have a scapegoat when you're hurting Mm -hmm. or that's the temptation at least but it was just so offensive to me 
that they were living normal life, that they had the freedom where my daughter can't, and to be most dramatic, my daughter can't breathe and you're down there choosing to smoke, which that that's in, inconsequential, but it's just sure. that idea. How do you get normal life? Mm-hmm. And I get this, you know, I probably have stories about where I've accomplished a great thing too. <laughs> that might've been the gist of your initial sure. question, but that really came to mind because it was such a, you were very raw and you, you, oh goodness, you want somebody to rescue you, and simultaneously, every offer for help is, you know, rejected, and you yeah, know, you're just kind of out of your own skin. You yeah. Know? So what? Mine's mine's not much more positive, but I, I love how you talked about that feeling. So when I was when I was 16, I've talked a little bit about my parents' divorce, but it kind of it, it really came out of nowhere to one degree or the other, not to say like our family dynamic was perfect and it was bliss and, you know, I can't believe that there's unhappiness here. Um, but when that, that day that our, my parents told me that they were separating, my dad came out and it was this whole, you know, this whole thing just completely blindsided. I, you know, I'm sure the same thing happened with death and, and everybody has this, has these feelings where like you can remember like, like the specific moment and how you felt the placement of your hands and like, and the awkward, like, you know, you, you can, you can like, you feel it's one of the weird things when you experience grief or you experience these, one of these moments where that just time slows down, you feel so fully human because you feel like you're embodying like every inch of your being. Um, and so like you have these just subsequently and there's chemical reasons this happens, but subsequently you have all these stark memories and you have these just like, you know, the ramifications for the rest of your life or all for these massive moments are, are huge, but you're also, you just feel them so acutely and you're just so present. And so I remember my parents told us, and then, um, it was a really weird situation. They were still like, my dad was going to move out, but it was going to happen three weeks later. So my parents were getting, were separating after 30 some odd years of marriage. My dad had, you know, dropped this bomb in us of, of who he was and everything was changing. Uh, like my whole paradigm for, for how I viewed the world and how my family was, was changing. And the next day we woke up and my dad was still there and we still kind of pretended like everything was just the way it was until like three weeks later. And I remember it was just this very surreal experience of like sitting down to watch TV and like we all, there's this crazy thing that's happened and yet we're all just going to kind of like, we've come back to this. Yeah. So there's a very odd experience and I, I feel like we all kind of have this to one degree or the other. Um, but yeah, that, that, those feelings of like, of having that massive moment, but then settling down to real life. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's a really, really interesting, um, interesting topic. I love sharing this even though it's like hey these are our most awful moments of our life but man i'm i'm so like i don't know if you what you call over your shoulder or right there with you like to be there in the room where you get up and i'm imagining it's a lazy day like you're not up at you know yeah. seven or six or five whatever you did to go to school but then you're like the the patterns are still continuing mm-hmm. but the feel is all off it's almost like you know when they take in movies where they take a song that's really sweet and then have a violent thing happening? Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, behind it. I guess you could do vice versa, although I've never seen it that. happens a lot in like suit, new, suit, newer superhero movies. Yes, like it does. They, they love that. They love that. You know, chaos is happening, but you got this really super sweet song that's happening. And it's like that, which feels funny watching it for somebody else. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I was I was talking to my dad earlier and I said, you know, major surgery is defined by if it's happening to you. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's not major because it's not mine, you know. Yeah. But yeah, when it's happening to somebody else, it's like, oh, how funny that dissonance. But then when it's that dissonance in your own heart and mind, mm-hmm. 
it's just almost hard to explain. Yeah, it's. I remember. Okay, so this is funny. I'm now. I'm now thinking about this. I there's several times this happened to me. I've like traveled to another city to go to a concert for like a really high octane band, and then we went to stay in a hotel room, and you go up the elevator and you hear elevator music, and that and like that almost immediate dissonance of like of this high octane, super emotional, high energy thing to now you're cutting against the grain of. Um, the mundane and it's so like that that it's this grading odd thing that is so like you just can't help but experience it in a like brighter um in a brighter i, I don't know in a brighter realm of reality i don't know that sounds really floofy but you know what i'm saying yes i do i do well and i love this you know when we were talking about you know hey what question should we process this sets up the text in a really um I'm really excited to read it because I'm like, okay, now I'm thinking different than just, hey, we're studying the Bible, uh, which we always try to do, get get a, in the heads of the people experiencing this. But that really, uh, I want everybody to keep that in mind because I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've had an experience where it's just like, how does normal life go on now mm-hmm. uh, after something so cataclysmic? And I can't, I can't imagine, I mean, my situation, my daughter, your situation with your parents is such a big deal in their lives. But I think it pales in comparison to what these men were experiencing (laughs) because I still knew where to go to my job and I still knew, you know, where my wife, you know what I mean? But, but they've lost their whole future. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's really a fantastic backdrop. I'm going to start reading there in John 21 verse one. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? This whole thing is funny to me. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. All right, Connor, a lot there. Yeah. So what amazes you about this? Uh, so the thing that, that jumps out to me, maybe it's partly because of our previous, com- like the, the preface to this conversation. Um, but I, I just love that this is this is included in scripture. You know, you think about like, we talk about all the time in, in like churches of, man, you want to get people engaged. You want to get people excited. Oh, man, we had this fantastic Easter weekend. How do we make sure people come back when they come back? How do we make sure they, um, you know, they, they feel that same energy that they felt on Easter on Easter Sunday. And to that extent, like I see a pretty big parallel here where there's this massive event, you know, don't even heard of it. Jesus dies and, you know, kind of is resurrected and it's pretty crazy. And then he appears to disciples and, and, and you would think like, if you're going to like, 
like if, if you're going to play out, if you'd never read this, you're going to play out. Okay. Well then what happens next? It would be like, it'd be action packed. You know, this, these crazy things happen. Um, the disciples are doing miraculous things. It's just, it's over and over and over again. It's just nonstop action. And I just love that in scripture. And I'm amazed by it, that God is so particular that he wants to know like, yeah, I'm going to do incredible, amazing things. I'm going to shift the world. I'm going to refound the world with this new paradigm. Um, I'm going to conquer sin and death and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, come back from death and still like there's, there's going to be the mundane. There's going to be the simple a life with me. Just because I've come back from the dead doesn't mean you need to run at break pay. doesn't mean that you suddenly need to conquer the world. doesn't mean that you suddenly need to run at um, a breakneck speed. Um, I just love that this is included that, um, that pretty quickly after these, the biggest events in the history of the universe, um, God wants to make it clear that Jesus even though the cross and the resurrection is the pivotal moment on which all of history turns, Jesus is still going to show up on the shore. Jesus is going to still show up on the fishing boat. And that's just pretty cool. That is a, a tremendous observation. I'll tell you, I am really hard on myself because I'm not a good manager and I'm not a good, I have lots of pictures in my head of, Hey, we should do this. and We should do that. I wonder if this would bless people. I wonder how our love would be, you know, shown in the, in this way but in terms of being like this strong driver leader who you know all right guys here's the vision here's the 15 steps we're going 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 and momentum is really important you know what i mean I, i'm really hard on myself because i'm not that way i'm much more hey what's happening today what is god doing today which you can be both i'm not you know it strikes me and we've we made this observation before but it's really key here i accept this timeline because it's a timeline i've been exposed to since i was a kid but if you and I, and we have some big marketing team, and we're like, okay, we've we've taken on Jesus. He's our client. Even we believe Jesus is, you know. Well, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, so what happens next? Yeah. So you're like, so a guy died, and he said he was he was God, and then he raised himself, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so the next thing is barnstorming. I mean, we are going to get him on a, a camel <laughs> and streamline him through. I'm like, I mean, that's what you would do. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I've referenced this before, but when I lived in Ecuador, all of a sudden these big white letters appeared on the side of one of the mountains. The, you know, Quito is surrounded by mountains and volcanoes and things. Anyway, super green, big white, like think almost, it's not Hollywood level, Hollywood size, but about that. You could read it all over the, all over the thing. And it says, El Virgen del Cisne Salva, which means the Virgin of Cisne from Cisne uh, saves. And this guy had some disease. He prayed to, they had all regional virgin statues and things, deities like they worshiped, Virgin Marys. And um, basically he got saved. And so now he's doing a tour with this statue. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it came to Quito. And I mean, this is a city of I don't know, a million plus people. And there's this huge, huge park. I mean, such mm-hmm. a huge park. I mean, like, I don't know how big it was, but it was huge. And I mean, we went there after the thing. There was trash. Everywhere. There must have been thousands and thousands of people. Oh, man. You know, it was just crazy. And that's what you think. If if you were just raised from the dead as an ultimate proof, you wouldn't just appear to 500 people. Like Mm -hmm. Jesus' counter-momentum, Jesus' almost anti-momentum, God's plan is intentionally off um, rhythm from our rhythm, it it seems like. I mean, it makes no sense to wait weeks. Mm. It makes absolutely zero sense for Jesus only to appear to the apostles. The other thing is he doesn't have a big instruction. Like pre-death, he's like, hey, I'm telling you all this stuff. They didn't understand anything. They still didn't accept him dying, you know? So now he's dead. Don't you think he'd sit down and say, okay, session one, how to live without me, (laughs) da-da-da-da. No, Jesus barely, when Jesus came back, I think it felt good to them, but it was also weird. Yeah. Like it was never the same as when he walked with them. And then now he's ascending shortly after this. And it's like, 
ah, it, it's like chaos to me, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. I, I just no. It absolutely. Yeah. I, I I totally get how I totally get how you're feeling because this is this is the frustrating thing with Jesus is like we have these built-in ideas of how things are supposed to go, whether it be with movements or people, um, whether you go through trauma or when you have a great triumph. Um, we kind of know what is like going to happen, like in a certain you know a certain sphere of like possibilities of what could happen. The thing that is so is so hard about Jesus and yet so incredible is that so often he tends to um, you have you have a you have a set of expectations for what Jesus could possibly do in a situation or what God could possibly do in a situation. And this is one of those things where this just seems like it, it doesn't seem wrong. It just seems like. Well, that doesn't like. What does that even gain? What does that even add to the story? Why is that even important? Um, and and without the perspective that Jesus is not after better success for you, he's not after you achieving more, doing better, you conquering the world. Without that perspective, then this story seems ultimately like pointless. Ultimately, seems you know not um, not necessary and even possibly counterproductive to the cause of the gospel or however you'd phrase it. Um, and so this is one of those things that I love. Like as I as I like you know become more and more a follower of Jesus, it's one of those things I might necessarily picked up on like three or four years ago. But as I like as I fall more and as I learn more about Jesus and like and begin to trust in Him even more, I go okay. The story that before was kind of a throwaway story that I probably, when I read it like last, was like I need to get through the. I, I said I was going to read the book of John, so I just need to get through this. And I'm so close; I can see the finish line there. Um, whereas now I go, man, Jesus wants to esteem. Jesus wants to reassure us that even in the awkwardness, or even in the you know wanting to scapegoat the smoke, or even um, in the weirdness of waking up with your parents still living together but being separated, um, that Jesus is like, hey, I'm I'm still gonna be there. I'm gonna be there at the bus stop. I'm gonna be there at work. And that um, it's it like it seems like that's a small deal, but when we're in those moments, it couldn't be it couldn't be a bigger deal. So, transitioning, what what amazes you? Yeah, so I don't know if I would have seen this before had we not prepped it with those questions and I connect with those emotions. To me, the apostles have seemed really almost inexplicable. Uh, Several things. Why are they counting the fish? They didn't count the fish before. At least we don't know about it. What's the point of counting the fish? Uh, Why do they not dare to ask who he is? Why would you even think it? Like, they know it's him. Like, John has already said it's Jesus. Why would you then go up and be like, hey, who are you? <laughs> you know, And why would you defer to a stranger on the shore, not know it's Jesus, and go through the efforts? I mean, I don't, I'm not suggesting it took a Herculean effort, but to pick these nets up, they're not tiny things, and they're wet. They're soaking wet you know, net material, so absorb some water, and they're having to throw it on the other side. Why are they just, eh? But in a grieving situation, this comes to life for me. Even, oh, even the sense, do you remember when you were saying – when you were saying about how you'll remember like where your hands were, you uh-huh. know what I mean? And what position when you learned this and where you were and this kind of thing. That, that only explains them. You just do weird stuff. Yeah. And I don't know this true. I, I just, if they're human and we're certainly shown their behavior is human, you know, we're not told that they're extra special humans, you know, but if they're human, they're grieving. Mm-hmm. They're in a state of being overwhelmed and they're doing weird stuff. Like why does Peter put on his cloak? It just doesn't make any sense, you know? Mm-hmm. 
when he knows, number one, now the cloak is no good for him if he's using it to cover himself for the weather because now it's wet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the boat's only 100 yards, you know, so we're talking the difference in a few minutes. And then it doesn't seem like he's covered any ground. You know what I'm saying? So I, I would anticipate Peter got up, jumped out, ran to him, and he was like, I'm so sorry, Jesus. I just want to have a moment alone with you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I really blew it. But he's not even talking to him. Like, like so he, So if you just imagine, to my time, Peter jumps. First of all, he puts on his coat or his outer garment. I know it's a robe, kind of, you know, toga style. And he jumps into the water. So 100 yards out, that's, I would think that's at least, you know, chest deep, you know. So he's soaking. Um, and then he, <laughs> and then, does it say he walked in? I, I think it said he walked in. Uh, and maybe it doesn't. He jumped in. Oh, it just said he jumped in the water. Um, but anyway, but they're there pretty quick. The whole thing doesn't make sense. Unless they're grieving. If they're grieving, it makes sense. Yeah. Like if you see a stranger up on shore in those situations, he starts shouting out orders or at least strong suggestions. Wouldn't you immediately think of when it happened? Like, why would you need the fit? That reminds me of Jesus when he told us to cast our nets to the other side. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's really good. And you think about, like, I think it's so important to recognize, like, even though Jesus has already appeared to them, there's still, obviously, it's different. Like you talked about before, it it, it feels different. It's not the same as the way it was before. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I just no, want to no, make that. No, no, that's perfect. Yeah. And and many, the other two times he's appeared to them, I'm, I'm, I'm only gathering one, but maybe, no, it's twice because he had appeared to them initially in the house. Then he came back when Thomas was there. Mm -hmm. And so that's the two times. But you don't get a sense it was lengthy. So I don't know if it's minutes or a couple hours, you know. It's almost like he comes in, says, I'm here. It's What the women are saying is true. Mm -hmm. Bang. He comes back. A week later, he's like, hey, Thomas, it's true. Don't be doubting. You know, Thomas is worshiping him. And it's like he eats something and boom. You know what I mean? So they haven't had, like, deep interaction here. But, no, that 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 part laying the lens of, where would real human beings be if you take not just their friend, but their most trusted teacher, the one that was going to blaze a trail that was totally a, a divergent course from the way their whole culture had been? And they were willing to give their lives for that. Now, we understand their action didn't at this point match their words. But and then he's gone. These guys are grieving. And man, that's I don't know. That's just I'm, I'm well, a little that, bit struck by and it. And that and that opens up the whole other level of then when when Jesus begins like at, right after our passage today reassures Peter and like you know he really affirms and really like it, you get the perspective so, like Peter's the first one out of the boat and then he does like you said he doesn't talk to him and I, you do wonder does G, like does Jesus knows and he sends his like man like Peter needs to hear this but he can't he can't bring it up himself and I think I've had that situation before where it's like not even necessarily in death but like man somebody is going far away or like I'm not going to be able to see someone for a long time and the last thing I said to them was it wasn't as bad as what Peter <laughs> said about Jesus yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that sort of thing but it was it was not good and I don't feel I don't feel settled about where it was yeah. and I and I, I've had that situation before and you just want that you want it to be resolved but even still like if you were in the wrong and like wanting the thing to be resolved, but not even necessarily having the courage to like to take complete ownership of it immediately. Uh, man, just the beauty of what Jesus does for Peter here, even in the sense of like, okay, like you wonder why did these things have to be included? Why did the story, you know, make it into scripture? Because it's a fairly mundane sort of thing, even even going on into most of most of uh, the rest of twenty one. And you go, okay, it wasn't necessary for Jesus to say these things to Peter for the gospel to continue, the kingdom to continue, like maybe not like think, you know, the, the, like Jesus doesn't do this. It doesn't negate him rising from the dead. Um, and I don't think about this often, but 
the effect that this must have had on Peter, the healing factor that it must have had on Peter, the the relief of the burden that Peter must have been feeling is so, um, yeah, it's just so uh, staggering when I, when I try to get in that space of how he must have been feeling to be the betrayer in this situation, um, but to still long for forgiveness and long for the relationship and, and, and dealing with the grief of death and, but he's back to life, but we're not the way we were before. And, and just all those feelings, um, and for Jesus to, to for for Jesus and for God to think that it is so important um, for us to see how much Jesus cares for Peter um, in this moment, like it's that like how important it is to God is just so crazy. And I think that's the other that's the B to my amazement is how he tends to them. Mm-hmm. You know, he he doesn't. Hey, I'm Jesus. What are y'all doing? Or I told you to become fishers of men. <laughs> like they haven't had any fishing between you know, like Luke 5 and right now that, yeah. that we know of. You know, now they're out in the boat because they're traveling from one point to another, but there's no indication they had fished between the time he said, hey, come be fishers of men and this moment. Mm-hmm. So I would almost anticipate a, a, a rebuke, like, did I spend all this time for you to be fishermen? Come on. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And instead, he's like, hey, be successful at your fishing. You know, bam, you're now successful. You were going to be a failure. And you know how it is when you're grieving, you notice, oh, my whole life is failure, you know? And then he's like, come up. He's already got food for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He doesn't chastise them. And he's the one that initiates, as you said, beyond this section, he's the one that initiates redemption for Peter. Peter's not, you would think Peter would start with, I am so sorry. Well, imagine what it would be like for the for, for Peter. You know, we, you said something earlier, and I totally echo your feelings, where you almost want Jesus to be like, okay, now how do you live without me? Here's here's the crash course on what you do. But for Peter, feeling these emotions and, and the feelings that he had to have towards Jesus and to himself, if Jesus had set him down and been like, okay, let's let's talk about how you need to be better, what you need to do from now on, like that could have been, I mean, that would have been crushing. Like, I mean, I can imagine how Peter would have felt um, in that moment. But for Jesus, it's so important to him that he's not, I mean, there's so many things he could tell Peter to do better on. There's so many ways he could instruct him to be better. But the more important important thing the bigger thing is to have this redemption for him and i think that just says that has so much to say about how we view our priorities you know mm. are we are we absolutely true. yeah are we um are we giving things that, are we waiting things with the significance that jesus is waiting them or are we waiting them with how um we perceive that jesus should have acted or would have acted in an imaginary situation of ours uh, man i I was kind of like, when we picked this pa- passage, I was kind of like, man, it's going to be a, it might be a weird one, might not have a lot to talk talk about, but it is, it is just so good. So um, what perplexes you? Yeah, the, the thing, and I'll, I'll be, it, it's it's this dynamic with all that, Jesus tending to the needs, that in verse, in verse 12 where he says, it, it's just weird. None of the disciples dare to ask him, who are you? The way it's stated, of course, John is writing this, the close one to Jesus, you know, John is writing it. And he's saying, none of us dared, so we didn't have the courage to ask him. Why would it, number one, why would you ask him? And I think my sense is it deals with, we knew you when you were walking with us, Jesus, but now you're dead risen, Jesus. Mm. We want to ask questions, but we don't, I, I don't, I don't even know, you know, and then it makes me wonder, uh, you know, when um, I can only imagine the song, Surrounded by Your Glory, you know, what will her, or my heart feel? And he goes through these options, will I dance for you, which is a fascinatingly weird line when you think about it you know i'm like did jesus ask people to dance for him in, in his ministry but anyway maybe dance around you you know or in awe of you be still will I, you know will i do these things will we feel that exuberance initially i, I don't know mm-hmm. I, i'm just saying i because there's no pain i assume it would all be elation and super mm-hmm. excitement all the time 
But it just does put and, – and I mean, it's not like a hit on my faith. It's just, oh, I never want, thought about I might be in Jesus' presence mm-hmm. and not be all about me feeling good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, and, and maybe there will be some of that tension still. I, I don't know. That is a really good thought, and I and I do and I do wonder because like you know there's lots of people have anxiety over the over, over you know over God's judgment over us over like His final judgment over us, and you do wonder like okay there's the, the even though even if we're people that like yeah it's like we're saved by our faith and by grace it's not by works there's even for a lot of us there's still like but what if you know what if like what if I didn't what if I you know God gets me for taking that extra sugar packet or well, that's that's the joke we say when we're talking to people like talking other christians or but, but actually we have this other whole other whole other list of things where it's actually these really bad things what yeah. if god really dings me for those things um but you, you get you get the um like for me you do wonder like okay i'm, I'm standing in the presence of god i'm, I'm assured that i'm going to be with him but there is that like awkward embarrassment of like of like oh like he knows and i wonder for, for peter like oh jesus knows mm-hmm. jesus knows that i i didn't that I betrayed him. Jesus knows that I wasn't there yeah. and all the disciples. That's and, right. And, and I right. do wonder if there's a sense, even if God is going like, like Peter, like Jesus did to Peter offer this redemption for him and God's going to redeem me. And then Jesus already has redeemed me. But I do wonder if there's a sense from, for me, um, like, is there an, yeah, I don't know that. And I'm sure there might be some passage we're missing that, that would easily talk about this. Um, but I do wonder if there's a sense of like, of yeah, I, I know I know I'm redeemed, but I'm I'm standing face to face, and I know that I betrayed Jesus in these ways, and Jesus knows I betrayed him in these ways, and I and, and I'm not going to be the and and I and I chose him, I, I love him, I accept him, but he's the one that's going to bridge that gap. I'm not like he's the one that's going, he's the one that saves me. Mm-hmm. I I might not even have the possibility to reach through the awkwardness for him, and yet. For Peter, and I think for us, Jesus reaches through through that for us. That's great, and I, and I think you're right. I think it's a good reminder to me. Now, I have the Spirit right now in a different way than the disciples did right then. Like, they had gotten the Spirit, because Jesus breathed it on them, but, but then they get the Spirit differently in Acts 2, and it seems to be a different qualitative dynamic, and that's a pretty—you can get really lost in the weeds in that discussion. So maybe when I meet Jesus, you know, face-to-face, meet God face-to-face— the spirit in me and the spirit of there, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe that changed it. And I, and I don't mean fear, although they were experiencing fear. It, it simply causes me, like, I don't even know what to think about it. it it's just such an odd, odd dynamic. Um, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, I've had that scenario where like, it wasn't even like, even like it wasn't my grief or my trauma or my big accomplishment. Um, but somebody, somebody accomplished, I've had the situation where somebody accomplished something big, like they graduated law school or even some of the graduate medical school. And you were like, okay, they just had this massive moment. How do I talk to them? How do I, yeah. And like, it's just this weird thing of like, there's this new paradigm of being for this person and there's this recognition by the community. And so I have these previously established patterns of how I talk to this person, but now I'm like, is this like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a very, um. There, there's so much here where like you can go like oh my gosh like how do you process all through this or you go like oh man there's so much here to discover and so much here to 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 ultimately be okay with and discovering in, in God's timing yeah I, I probably need to dig into the Greek of the word dared I don't want to spend too much time here but if you took dared out none of the disciples ask him who are you they knew it was the Lord to be like okay yeah yeah you know but no none of the disciples dared ask him it's that piece. And I do wonder if it's completely in correlation with what you're saying. They know it's Jesus, but there's a part of him they don't know how to interact with. 
you know, mm. because they definitely were not the there was not an equal interaction between them post his and I'm not saying there ever was a fully equal. But when he after he's resurrected, he's coming in. He is the complete actor in the situation. They are receivers at best. You know, see this, see this, touch this, touch that. You know, look, I'm eating fish. Don't doubt. There's not a discussion there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like bang, bang. Like it could have been he only appeared for 20 seconds to him. You know what I mean? And so now it's like, how do we act around him? You know? So that 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 helps me. But yeah, it's a fascinating thing for me to process. What about you? Like what perplexes you? Yeah. So the honestly, the the fact that Jesus has fish for them is so interesting to me and i and i don't know why he does it this way so like he's standing out on the shore like what what's the reason for him having catch him them catch the fish you know what what's the purpose of that when he already has you know fish prepared for them already has a meal prepared for them um you just wonder like so we can kind of see we've already talked about the grief and the the embarrassment and the shame that you know Peter would have been feeling in the situation and, and Jesus like Jesus eventually kind of addresses that specific um that specific, those specific feelings that Peter has and he redeems them. And so I wonder here, like, like I have to believe there's always a reason for, for why these things are included in the Bible and why they stuck out, um, in the memory of, um, of the, of the writers of scripture. And I, and I feel like there has to be something here that like Jesus is doing that is speaking, um, to a deeper sense, whether that's like, I, I don't like, it doesn't necessarily just make sense to me that it's like, Oh, he's hearkening back to what he did before. And it could be just as simple as that. But I wonder like, is it one, is it one of those things that we just can't possibly know until, you know, until we can talk and be like, Oh yeah. Like Jesus was caring for me in this way or that way. Or, um, honestly, it might even be funnier if Jesus was like, I just, that'd be funny if I forced them to like have to lug, you know, a bunch of, um, that'd be pretty cool. I can make you do anything I want. <laughs> No, but I, there, there's there's just a, some weirdness for like the procedure, um, especially like when you think about when they're writing, like so when the writers of the Gospels are writing it. Um, and there there was there's been some debate for a while whether 21 is should be included. And eventually we've got most places have decided that 21 is is his valid Bible. But you, you get to the point where you're like, oh, man, we're wrapping up. These are the, these are some of the last things that that the world is going to have for sure that Jesus is communicating to his people. And you would be like, man, every, every jot and tittle, which I don't know what, I don't know what jot, I know what jot is. I don't know what tittle is. Um, <laughs> every, every little jot would be, um, would be fine tuned, would be getting the most out of it. And, and, and that might be me asking too much of the text or that might be my own, um, presuppositions, but you do wonder here, like the fact that Jesus already has the meal prepared for them. Is he trying to, is and he still asks them, is he trying to communicate something deeper that I'm just not able to pick up on? That is, yeah, yeah, that is really good. I, I do think it's funny if you could produce, if you could produce these few fish, just produce 153. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, why are you? Hey, here's a take home, but I'm not going to make you the main meal. You're oh, on your you know, own. Okay, so this is so perplexing to me. Who, who is counting the fish here in the scenario? Right. Who? So they have this massive experience, and at some point, Jesus sits down to have dinner with them. He prepares, like the Lord of the Universe pre- prepares dinner for them, and then eventually, Peter has some of his like deepest, darkest, like worst things addressed and redeemed. Um, at what point is there a break where some like is there an introvert of the group that goes off and like somebody should probably count these, make sure. <laughs> 
it's Matthew to text. There are two other unnamed disciples. It's Matthew to text. He's like, finally, something I can do. No, and it's funny. I think about grief. Like, I've been in a situation where, like, a grandparent died, like, a grandparent died, and we're all just kind of, like, sitting around a house. And I'm like, is there, like, somebody needs to rake those leaves outside, or somebody needs right, to, yes. you know, do that. And there, there is that sense of the, the funniness of just of being human. Yes. Um, but yeah, how, how these things happen. And you think, so I, I was thinking about this when you were talking about your daughter, and, like, I'm sure for you, um, you know, trying to maximize every second that you could possibly have with your daughter. And I even think about it with my kid of like these are the years right now like like they're 30 years from now I'll think about these moments with my daughter right. and she's not sick but like I will think about these moments and I'll never get them back they're so they're so precious and I will never get them back um, and they're so they're the some of the highest value moments I have in my entire life um, and and you would think like I would tell myself if I was going to like have a meal with Jesus I was going to be with Jesus for like a couple hours um, in a, in the physical, in the physical embodiment of, of him, I would be like every, every second of those two hours has to be filled like with, um, with meaning and significance. Every, mm-hmm. I, and now I'm not kind of like contradicting what I said before, but I'm wondering here, like when I actually have been in experience where a high emotional situation or I've had a reunion where there's, there's some sort of weird, um, massive moment in my life, do I always maximize that time am i always like you know like i like to tell myself yeah if i was a disciple i'd be totally leaning in every moment i'd be like trying to glean and and just be with jesus for for any of the amount of time i have available with him but if i'm being honest with myself like i probably would be the one like this is like a lot of emotions kind of awkward the mm-hmm. the tension is thick somebody should probably count those fish um yeah, you know right. and i probably get my butt uh, you know whatever my buddy was in the, in the group like hey you you kind of want to go do that because I always kind of drift to other introverts. I, I tend to drift to other introverts in awkward situations. So, yeah. Take on some tasks. Yeah, I think it, it'd be super fascinating to me to describe or to sit with and, and have all of the people that were there explain, including Jesus, what were you thinking? Like, mm-hmm. I, like I'd always like that. I wish you had the ability to interview, you yeah. know, tell, tell me more about where your heart was, <laughs> where your mind was, you know, kind of thing. But, yeah, I would think they'd be packed full of questions. Not the least of which is what's next. Like, what are we supposed to be doing? You know, mm-hmm. and, we're, uh, we're we're out fishing and not catching any fish. We need direction, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the one thing we knew how to do, still not doing it well. You know, you know that is, you know that is funny. Uh, maybe they were terrible at their jobs. You know, we always <laughs> think they're good, but in the two accounts, they're terrible. Anyway, I I wonder if all of this is the message of they they are about to be under tremendous pressure. And they can be tricked just like I get tricked and saying, it's on you. It's on you, Jason. Oh, there, there are people in your congregation that are having struggles. It's on you. Is your congregation going to, is it growing like it should? It's on you. You know, I mean, all this pressure is going to be at least a temptation to these men. And yet Jesus is one of his last interactions is so gentle and normal and paced, relatively speaking, so slowly like he meets them exactly where they are emotionally, which is an, an appreciation I never had until our discussion today. He meets them where they are. He provides for their needs. It reminds me of Elijah where he's all stressed out. And he's like, it'd be better if I was never born. You know, I should be dead. And and like God's spirit is like, or the angel there, they like, they're like, just sit down. Just sit down <laughs> and sleep, sleep. Take and, a then, nap. and then wake up and eat. Now sleep again. Now we can talk, you know. And, and this is kind of has that feel of, Jesus saying it, even the way that he he never says to Peter later on, he never was like, hey, why'd you betray me? Which I think that's a useful accountability question. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Why Or not just betray, but why deny? And to be able to say, hey, do you love me? And he's like, I do, I do. And, and own it that way and, and give him affirmation. 
there's just something about reflecting on that that I think has to be super powerful for them. And I'm not even going to say, oh, and I get it. You know, I'm simply saying I at least entertain the thought that that might have been part of why he did what he did here. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, it's so funny to think about, you know, the emotional maturity of, of the God of the universe. But you do go, man, just like the emotional maturity. Um, and so, so human in the way that it was always meant to be. And, man, I just think of what an encouragement to, to know that, man, like when I'm living out my potential as a follower of Jesus, when I'm truly following and allowing the spirit to guide me. Um, I can tap into that too. I can be, I can be the human I was always meant to be, um, whether it be in grief or awkwardness or sadness or gladness. And that's just, that's very, very cool. And so, man, I love this conversation. I was kind of like, I wasn't sure exactly where we'd end up going, but I, I'm just so blessed by it. Thank you for listening. Grace, peace, and love.